Today on the show, we explore the fork in the road that can lead a hero to fighting himself in a story of two lighthouses. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes behind some of our favorite video games. I'm Caleb. I'm Kevin. And my name's Leo. And today we're exploring two paths of one life. This episode is going to have major spoilers for Bioshock Infinite. And so, like, if you haven't played Bioshock Infinite, how did you make it this far into the podcast? I, I don't know. Like... Don't answer that. Pause the episode. Play Bioshock Infinite. Play it again because you're going to want to. And then listen to this episode. Stop everything you're doing right now, young man or woman or whomever you are. Stop everything. If you have not played this game, do not listen to this episode. And it is worth mentioning, this is an episode. And we have had many episodes before this. And specifically, if you haven't yet heard our episode on the Lutesses, Check it out. It's great. It was a lot of fun to record. And a lot of that material we're realizing as we're kind of talking about this episode and building the script is like super, super relevant. Yeah, it it weaves a lot into what we're talking about today. Yeah. Here's what's what's happening here, folks. We got two different characters, but they're the same person. Oh, my God. What? Like, but they're not the same person. It's it's wild, man. This is this whole entire game. I mean, if you thought Bioshock 1 and 2 were kind of weird, yeah. this entire game is like time travel, interdimensional like travel, and just it, th- this whole game is a total mindfuck. Let me so, hit the, the drug bong again. Yeah, you got, you're going to have to take a hit because this is, this is going to get whack. So basically, you have Booker DeWitt. This is a guy, American-born, I believe. Uh, he... Joined the military after uh, the Civil War. Um, he experiences the Battle of Wounded Knee. And it's essentially, this is the tipping point um, for what turns him to the Booker DeWitt that we play as. And the Comstock we eventually try to kill. That's sort of the fork in the road, right? Like that's the moment where these different things divide. That is when the timeline shifts and you get two different realities. So, you know, Comstock, and we'll, we'll kind of focus on Comstock for a moment. Um, but Leo, why are we focusing on Comstock? He's, he's, the, he's shitty. He's <laughs> the like main that. timeline. So here's the deal, folks. <laughs> the Columbia timeline, the one where you are Booker DeWitt and you pop into Columbia, that is the Comstock timeline. So you have two timelines. You have the Comstock timeline and you have the Booker DeWitt timeline. Well, we have like, we have a lot well, of you have timelines. a lot of fucking timelines. <laughs> throwing timelines all over the place. Oprah's giving We are like not making free, this you know? any easier all to right. understand. <laughs> Look under right. your seats. You all get timelines. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what happens is after this, this, this uh, the way they experience Wounded Knee and how they deal with it, the universe splits into two separate timelines that then we experience. So we have Booker DeWitt's timeline and we have Comstock's timeline. The game setting, the universe that you're playing in 
uh, most of the time of Columbia. That is Comstock's main timeline and his main universe. The Booker DeWitt you are playing as is a completely different timeline. He's been plucked from his world and thrown into this one. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's a mind no matter fuck, no matter what timeline we're talking about, the the individual who was born as Booker DeWitt. Uh, opts into after this traumatic insane massacre at Wounded Knee decides to go through with a baptism and this is again as we've said this is the fork in the road now focusing for a moment on the main timeline on on Comstock's timeline he goes through with the baptism and in his newly discovered religion he and this is this is where like I was having trouble sorting out exactly what happened because this is he has this vision of Columbia this this archangel or this 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 being this divine being um, in a floating city. Now he ends up like partying up with um, Lutes with um, Rosalind Lutes, and she's studying these a, a method of uh, locking atoms into place, which he's like, hey, that could be a good way to float a city. Um, so he creates this city in the sky. He becomes the leader of this 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 floating city. Um, well, then and then and then it, it doesn't go so well, right? Like because there's there's the um, was it the box the box rebellion, the boxer, boxer rebellion. rebellion. Yeah, the boxer rebellion. During uh, their um world tour, as it were, Comstock had Columbia um go to China. Um, during their um, event, the Boxer Rebellion, and he intervened in it, and he opened fire, and basically like wiped those people out. This was the event that revealed Columbia to be a giant warship, right? And America called Columbia back, and Columbia's like, "No, screw this. We're going to be our own America now." To that point, really quickly, it's amazing because Comstock declared Columbia the true America the gall of being like yeah no i mean i know that there's like three thousand miles across like a massive but no my city is the true america that's just an, a hollow sh i'm like just the the excuse my language the fucking balls on comstock well, uh which is a bad transition into his sterility but you know the uh, fucking balls. well like the thing is he he, he essentially made Everything that's against America, if you think about it, like freedom of church and state, not a thing, or separation, sorry, separation of church and state, not a thing, um, freedom of religion, not a thing, um, fucking democracy, not a thing. He's a religious zealot. He creates a totalitarian, uh, you know, nation, if you will, in the sky. Like, nah, bro, you ain't nothing but America. But and, and also he's Abraham and, Lincoln. Like, yeah, who, like who the hell. Come on. But yeah, he's uh, so naturally karma, you know, ensues and he's sterile as fuck and he can't, he can't, he cannot procreate. I think, I think we skipped a step, but you're, but you're out. You're absolutely right. So basically, uh, Rosalind, uh, figures out this, this kind of rend in, in reality thing. Um, Comstock is beyond his like claims of visions and claims of things. He's able to the, for, for the first time, like actually peek through tears in reality and see alternative timelines and see other, you know, into the future and into the past. So he's able to like verify with the people of Columbia that he is in fact a prophet, which for these good Christian folks, 
um, really establishes him in a, in a position of power. He, uh, yeah, so he, he was playing with all these uh, interdimensional timeline portals, <laughs> and lo and behold, he can't have children. Apparently, the exposure to radiation, at least in his timeline, um, the exposure to radiation made him sterile, and it also, like, aged him tremendously. This made him say, you know, I need to have an heir, I need a child, uh, clearly I can't do it. But maybe there's another me that can do it. So he was going around trying to find a Brooker DeWitt child. And and this was, yeah, exactly to your point. He realized, like, the way that he's going to stay, his legacy in Columbia is going to be cemented in blood relations. And he has a lady Comstock, but he can't have kids. So he talks to the Lutesses, and they're like, well, what if we go to an alternative timeline where maybe you have a child? And he's like, hey, that sounds pretty good. So they hop over to this other timeline where uh, Booker Dewitt, at the moment of baptism, rejects the baptism and instead ends up working with, either he continues working with or he starts working with, I'm not actually sure, um, the the Pinkertons, which is sort of this. Uh, he he starts working with. He was he not working, working with the with Pink. Him. He was not working with the Pinkertons pre-baptism. Yeah. So. He, he he falls in line with the Pinkertons. He starts kind of obviously directing his violence and his anger uh, both inward and also towards the, the poor people who get in his way as part of his work. Um, now, separately, the Lutesses who've been working together, they realize they just, they done fucked up the whole multiverse. Like every goddamn reality is just crumbling and weird shit's going on. So they're like, okay, maybe we should kind of figure out how to fix this problem and they uh and they have this idea they're like well maybe we um maybe we get that guy whose daughter we stole and maybe he can do a good job of reigning in himself kind of um so they go and they collect booker from the anna timeline and robert approaches him and says hey um you know i'm gonna give you a chance to get her back well the whole thing is he want he has these debts as well and his biggest thing is He's told that he is going to be given one job that will erase all of his debts. And that's a big deal to him. So I think like what it results in, and I think um, looking at these two directions that the same man go through in different timelines, as far as the way that they deal with their own shame, the struggle of Bioshock Infinite of the protagonist versus the antagonist in many ways becomes symbolic of the struggle between these two incredibly unhealthy ways of dealing with grief. Um, it is literally extreme violence versus extreme reality warping. Pain versus manipulation. I I still personally, now I don't know about you guys, but I'd like to hear your opinions on this. I don't think Comstock, I think the fact that Comstock has been trying to deal with these atrocities in a way that he creates an external way of trying to prove to the world that it's okay for what he did and experienced. I still see that as a form of him not being okay with it because the whole thing is Comstock was okay with it. Booker is not. I still feel the fact that Comstock had to create this and is still living it and still embodying this 
character, if you will, because Comstock, if anything, he's a character for Booker Dwight. I still kind of see it as a form of him not, and by character, I mean like it's a new persona that he has to, that he put on himself. He literally had to recreate himself in, in in a society for him to deal with these issues. So I, I don't know if I'm just curious about what you guys think. Do you think that he still struggles with it day to day? I think an extra kind of side note that isn't directly related to how he relates to Comstock, but an interesting element of who Booker is, is the fact that all of his actions throughout Bioshock Infinite are in some way the direct result of something that he had done previously in his life. So similarly to how you were talking about how nothing Comstock ever did really seemed to indicate that he ever really let go of who he was, I think Booker is the exact same way. Even in the timelines that we see glimpses of where he becomes a martyr for the Vox Populi, he scalps founders. Like, um, and that's the thing. Like, he helps Elizabeth because he sold Anna. He works with the Vox Populi because he used to be a Pinkerton. Like, he scalps founders because he was at Wounded Knee. Like, every aspect of who he is that we see is a response to how he turned his own outward violence also inward toward himself. I don't necessarily think all of that counts as character growth, but I think that it's definitely a really interesting comparison of just how much of Booker's actions are defined by his regrets and shame of the past and exposing himself to that pain rather than hiding from it like Comstock did. Do you feel that Comstock still is, do you think like maybe he's trying to avoid like with, with his utopian vision, do you think he's trying to avoid like any type of um, wounded knee scenario, if you will? Like, cause if he's not violent, like what I mean is like with the whole boxer rebellion thing, if he's not violent, then why would he do something like that? Why would he order some like, do you know what I mean? Like he, do you feel like he still is trying to avoid any type of violence or at least in his, by his own hands or anything like that, that? Or do you still feel like he's kind of has like this violent nature still to, to him? I think Comstock never stopped responding to his own violence through lies and Booker never stopped responding to his own outward violence to inward violence. And I think that shows in how the decisions they made earlier in their life informed the decisions they made later in their life. It's like both men uh, like decide on a direction and refuse to back down from it. <laughs> like of, well, I guess I'm just going to commit to violence because if I ever question the violence, I'm going to go insane. And similarly, if Comstock, Comstock's like, well, the Battle of Wounded Knee clearly was something worth cleansing myself from. But the principles behind it, the massacre, the racism, the terrible things of it, if he ever stopped to question the principles that he built Columbia on, it would he would drive him insane. And it would invalidate the narrative that he'd been telling himself the whole time, which is that he's a good person being driven by good Christian values. Ah, the common duality of never giving up. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So I have some final thoughts about this. Essentially, my own view on these two guys and like the whole decision-making process, 
I've done a lot of episodes here and most of the stuff that we always talk about is a lot of it is decision making and plot driven things about characters and their decisions. And I feel like this episode is really great because it opens up the branches of like, well, what if a character made this decision instead of that decision? What if they made this decision instead of that decision? Oh, and then that leads to making this one instead of that one. You don't get that one because you, you're already your character already wants to make this one. And it's, it's just a whole like decision tree like a decision making tree which is really cool uh like kind of like mass effect kind of you know kind of like that but a little bit more this is a little bit more um this game delves into that and really shows you two separate characters that are the same person and all the decision making process that they have based on one decision so like most people come into contact with like huge events in our lives. Like most of us, we all come into contact with something like somebody's death, a car accident, just some major life event. And it's, it's how we react to these events and how we make them part of our own selves, like our own character, if you will. And that, and that, that's what really can actually dictate how we grow as a person and how we make future decisions. And again, the idea of building this narrative and the opportunities to explore There are certain elements in the game, like the coin flip, where 123 bookers have flipped heads. There are elements that are chance and are life and are things that we don't necessarily have control over. And the Lutesses are like, we still don't know. Like they are very sure of certain circumstances, but they don't know the reasons behind certain events. When it comes to us, when it comes to the choices we make and the way that we handle trauma and the way that we handle pain and the way that we then channel that energy it that we have a choice and it is so fun <laughs> to see a game that's literally like hey okay here's a person here are two versions of that person go at it you know round start to see literally the 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 battle not of good and evil but of the same kind of morally damaged person and how one person can become so different through a single choice. Um, it's definitely worth reflecting on for all of us forever. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that was Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And, oh, be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.